it was very stressful. I thought that I was going to have my life, <laughs> uh, the way I look after my family, um, the things I do day to day. I've been doing this for 12 years. It was literally about to be turned over and I thought I was going to lose it all. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to this week's Single Track World podcast. I'm Hannah, and today, after a little bit of a wait, I am joined by Dan Stanton from the now Stanton Bicycles. Hello, Dan. Hi, how are you doing? So we've been awaiting this podcast for a little bit because you've been, well, turning Stanton bikes into Stanton bicycles, which has been quite a process. So for those listening, before we get into it, I think it's worth saying that like a lot of bike companies, Stanton has been the product of committed friends and and family and Dan's former investor was a long-term friend so as we go through this story and pick it apart it can be quite personally difficult and we also have to be a little bit legally careful because where Dan and Stanton Bicycles is today is a result of a legal process so there's some stuff that we might not get into um, and if Dan says I better not talk about that then it's because we don't want to get on the wrong side of any solicitors and there has been this legal process. He's not trying to be deliberately um, like evasive or anything like that. But we, we have talked like it's been difficult to get to this point um, at a personal level and at a legal level. And we don't want to undo any of that. So, um, so thank you, Dan, for getting your house in order and ducks in a row to, uh, to be with us today. No worries. Thanks for having me. So I think we should go back to where we were last time I saw Dan, which was back in early 2019. And I went um, to your HQ to sort of help build my uh, <laughs> test bike. I'm not sure I helped that much, <laughs> but it was certainly certainly fun to see. And I guess at that stage, you were bringing production of bikes into the UK you had just bought what I keep calling the tube chopper. What's its proper name, that machine? Um, that, I think uh, at that point in time, it was the Marchetti that we were looking at and we were starting to the use. Marchetti. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It... So you just had that delivered and there was you were literally, as I arrived, sticking the business plan to the wall, which had the vision of where you were going to go for the next 10 years and how you were going to make production in the UK um efficient and like not a not a boutique kind of shed builder thing but an actual like industry uh, industrial scale um production and um so we did a long we had a long chat then about um about that and people can go back and watch the video um because you thought that there was a better way of making bikes than making them abroad in the kind of guesstimate quantity and then shipping them over here. So does that accurately kind of 
spell out what you were aiming to do? Yeah, we were hitting pretty reasonable numbers. And um, um, the aim was to try and get close to the value that we could produce frames for in Asia uh, here in the UK because we had the quantity. So it was all about creating a process that we could um, produce that level of, of frames efficiently enough that it would be cost effective to do so. So, yeah, that that was the, the aim. And did we get there uh, to a degree? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, and we really, because of all the twists and turns that happened through uh, Brexit and COVID and um, all the subsequent lockdowns and the relationship between China and, the, and Taiwan and shipping from abroad, you know, um, yeah, we ended up actually finding a way to be able to produce in mass using CNC machines. So we ended up generate, creating jigs where you can lay tubes in and then basically cut and process. So there isn't the, the need for, um, yeah, like the way we were looking at doing it originally was to process using uh, the Ajax and um, the Marchetti and cutting and processing everything manually just to get us going. And we know that in Asia they use wire eroders, you know, so the closest thing that we could really get to here and uh, in that short, in that period of time was using CNC machines. So we went down that route. Right. So you think it's still it's still a plausible and possible business model then? Yeah, we're still going to, we're still carrying on with it now. It doesn't, it's, uh, whether it becomes as, as large as relative to how many frames we sell, but principally getting the price to a reasonable manufacturing cost where we can sell into a market um, at a reasonable price, you know, that, that, that's we've we've done that and we're still able to carry on doing that even as stanton bicycles moving forward because it's not as there isn't there's no it, the cnc and is done um by lincoln jigs over in lincoln you know the tubes are form, uh, all formed in birmingham so they're shipped to there and then any cnc parts for the frames can be done by lincoln jigs and yeah so it's it's a roundabout way but principally it's it's achieved and it can carry on and in, we we did have welders in house, but the idea now, at the moment especially, is to have um, people that have worked for us to come in and do part work per piece per frame. Cool. Well, so we will get to where we are now, I guess. So the, it sounds like the the basic principle of you can manufacture in the UK and be efficient and competitive still stands. But that you've learnt some things along the That's way. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, that uh, and had some some real curveballs that definitely weren't in the business plan thrown at you. So I guess I I saw this Marchetti machine, um, and and you're saying that ultimately you didn't end up uh, with a process that's going to use that. that no, was a massive no. Outlay, wasn't it? it was about six grand. Um, probably used it a handful of times. Really, we ended up getting something that because. That was okay for doing main tubes, but it couldn't do the stays anyway. So we were looking at getting something else to do in stays anyway. But but really, we figured out that we never actually got into a position where it was needed because we would we'd have the um, uh, once we got the Ajax, we were able to do all all the main tubes on the Ajax and the rear ends on the Ajax, and we um, we ended up cutting. We we did a load of UK stuff in house to get us going. Um, we found that we were small mistakes, such as uh, small labour mistakes. So like greasing the um, uh, the angled vice meant that the vibrations from the machine caused the vice to slip ever so slightly. And then all the cuts for the stays was incrementally off angle. And that, that happened over a large batch of, of, uh, of seat stays. And then... We couldn't get any more of them for three months. It just, I, I, yeah, it didn't. Um, so, so what we ended up doing was mitigating risk by removing um, the fact of having somebody there doing that process. We just literally now put them in a CNC machine and process them in a CNC machine. So the Ajax that you refer to, Ajax is a CNC machine. No, it? sorry, that's a that's that, that that's no? that's a that's a a milling machine. But you can turn the head on it and you can um yeah yeah so it's so 
so yeah, we were using that as the the, the tube cutter for a while, and then um, and and then basically as 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 things started to when COVID hit, staff started to leave. One of the chaps was uh, in his sixties, and he um, his mother was in her nineties. And when COVID hit, he got quite worried, and he left, and he was the main fabricator. And so this then meant that we had to come up with another process. And obviously during COVID, you couldn't bring you couldn't employ. So we ended up then, like I say, working with Lincoln Jigs and developing this way of being able to process tubing in CNC machines. Right. So, so that just warrants, you know, um, Tim, the owner, or Tom, his son, to stand at the machine every time it's finished its process, just put a fresh tube in and lift the other ones up the stack. So it mitigates right. quite a proportion of risk. So, so yeah, it's not all in-house uh, and that would be an aim long-term or was an aim long-term, whether it's still an aim now, I'm unsure, to be quite frank. Um, mm-hmm. I quite like the idea of the cost being set because when you employ people, obviously the cost of people's, um, uh, the cost of people's wages is in relation to how much product, that's a sta- sta- static outgoing mm. but the value of input like um cash coming in is in relation to the amount of output that you're, you're getting out of the, the product so if you can not have it that way and have the per p- price per piece then you've got much more financial control over the production w- at one point we were throwing out fi- uh, we were doing 15 to 20 frames a week you know which is pretty efficient and that was only with one welder through that process so it became mm-hmm. a cost-effective affair for sure um but as obviously we've just gone through this administration process and come out the other side, it then, you know, we're not, we're not selling the same volume. So then to spend 37,000 or 42,000 on a welder per year doesn't seem very cost effective if we're not getting that level of stock, uh, level of purchasing coming through. Do you, know, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So you need that economy of scale to, to work out. But I guess it sounds like then you've done a whole business process re-engineering um, from why you originally thought you were going to be doing to, to I guess, the start of the administration process, um, which would, for any company, be a challenge to, to look at the business process and then obviously the staff that goes with that because if you're changing how you do things, you're also changing who you need to do things. But on top of that, you had COVID to make that to force some of that, but also to complicate some of that. Yeah, um, for sure. And we had Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> and Brexit and COVID kind of came in this double whammy of supply chain issues. Anyway, you couldn't you couldn't ship stuff out, but you also couldn't get stuff in. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the impact of that? Um, I guess, I think before COVID, you Stanton have been having issues trying to keep up with demand which you then kind of got back on top of, but then had COVID as well. So, um, yeah, do you want to sort of talk around? Yeah, so while we were working out, while we were um, processing in-house, and like I say, these these small um, like, like uh, labour mistakes, such as greasing the vice, they, they obviously have massive impact on lead times for customers because mm. all of a sudden you can't get tube in it. You know, it's an area situation where you can't get tubing for three months. So now you've got a back a back order list that's growing. You know, you try you trying to warn people, explain the situation, but then other circumstances start to come in, and it becomes very difficult um, for one, I guess, towards the end of it, for people to believe you because how many mitigating circumstances are people going to accept? You know, mm-hmm. how many different? Yeah, and um, uh yeah so so that obviously caused us little problems like that caused a problem. even in paint you know why was it that when we sent some frames off to ed we'd get batches come back real real clean you know and then other batches would have like rust water running out of them and the amount of extra process that needed doing and it was what it was was that the um pim and wildsmith the dippers they're dipping um digger buckets and all sorts of things like that you know so so the the fluid isn't always very clean. So the product that you get back from them can sometimes need a lot more labour invested into sorting it out before it goes through the paint shop. So you're then working with them in right. the background to get that sorted out. But that then adds labour, obviously. And that small things like things that don't come through until later on in the process. So it looks like the surface is all fine, 
but then you pass it through paint and there's pinholing, you know, and you try and then you have to flat it all back and mm -hmm. trying to figure out why that one frame is getting this reaction. It could be something that's inside the tube that's come in from the dipping process, like a chemical that you can't get back out. So there's all this, yeah. these sorts of things that are, are that we're figuring out because it's a fresh company, you know, we're working out all of these processes uh, and they cause delays and then bam, the, the uh, everyone had geared down anyway for Brexit, which was difficult in, re in relation to components and parts that were purchasing less because we the whole industry works on like a you know a, a year cycle so you're looking at ordering things for next year all the time so people have predicted in relation to the way the economy had gone that things you know sales would be down and then obviously covid hits there's lockdowns all over the place china's locking down taiwan's locking down shipments are locking down you just literally can't get stuff over to you you know, you can't, then then we've got lockdowns, we can't get stuff out, you know, uh, some staff are really anxious about the the virus because of people in the family, so they're then not wanting to come to work anymore or decide to leave. It just literally span it all in, all into a, into disarray. But I think um, really overarchingly, we was very reactive to all those situations. And actually what we've got now from it all is a, is the same sort of offering on the exterior to the customer, but with a very uh, leaned out price per part situation in the background to make it all far more uh, financially manageable, you know, more because it's more predictable, I guess. That's the point. And I guess that when I talk to people about why they build in Taiwan instead of building in the UK or wherever else, one of the big things is always that it's all streamlined and sorted in Taiwan. You go to the front end of the process and go, here, build me this. And they might say, well, we've built something like this before and we suggest you tweak this or that. So you get that upfront kind of advice. And then it goes through the process and out the other end comes a bike because that's all those people are doing all day, every day, is welding frames and welding yeah. bike frames. So they have all that specialist knowledge, all streamlined in one place. And if you try and replicate that process in the UK, you end up either trying to do what you did, which was bring it all in-house, or do what you're doing now, which is use lots of different people to do the different bits of the process. But then you need to manage them all and find out, um, make sure that they all connect together. Um, and if there's a problem, you've then got to track back through it. And it's got to be tracked through a number of different places because it's not the one stop shop that you get in Taiwan. Um, and so, yeah, this totally echoes what I've heard other people saying is that it's more difficult to make it happen in the UK. And you've kind of been through that process of, of the difficulties and discovering those difficulties. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, one is that the labour cost is far less, you know, in Asia. Uh, streamlining processes and all those sorts of things 100% yeah definitely that's literally if you think I'm if I'm ordering a thousand frames a year I'm not the only person not the, I'm I'm one I'm one month's work for them you know if that you know they're, they're literally geared up and set up that way we intended to uh, I don't know not necessarily have anything running as as grand as that sort of scenario but um, uh, but to have small team of five six people in uh, per department would have been an ideal really what we ended up with was one to two people per department and and it being um very difficult for it to be predictable because one the economy and what was happening on a sociological scale was you know blown up all over the place and, and then that that then meant that there was you know uh just a disruption internally but then also there's the fact that it's a f that we're in a growing state. We're in a we're a growing company. We're looking to uh, turn everything that we're putting into the company into something else that can generate more uh, more profit, more um, uh, more growth in the company. And then all of a sudden, if that growth just drops off, if the if the funds that supply that growth drops off, then you just you you caught the fish out out of water as the tides recede. You're flapping on the beach, you know. Um, and I'd ne we've never, I, I'm 42 now, especially just in business, especially I've, I've never experienced anything economically like we have over the last two years, you know. So I, I wouldn't have ever, I, I didn't live in a, in a frame of mind where those sorts of things happened. 
and it was uh, bumping into some older people that had ran businesses and they, they said to me, you know, well, things like this happened in the 90s, early 2000s, not as dramatic, but these are the things that you need to do and put in place. And it was quite interesting, really. You know, we should have uh, geared, we should have geared down. We should have geared uh, staffing down, really. But they were, as, um, but it became this thing about leaning out processes. But really, to my to my mind, if you've only got one or two people per department, then you need to let some people go and other people bridge gaps while you just haven't got that level of uh, of um, turnover happening. But you know, I wasn't the only person making choices and decisions and it's difficult to make those choices when you're working with people you like and you're trying to invest in the company and you're trying to like keep those skills there and some of the skills that you have people employed on or had people employed on are difficult to difficult to get skills there aren't a whole bunch of people with them yeah so yeah Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so I think that possibly sets the scene as to uh, how difficult it was to try and realise that vision that you were sticking on the wall last time I yeah. saw you. And and I guess it, it was it was notable to me, as somebody that came from outside of the bike industry, that was one of the first times I'd really seen a business plan in the bike industry, that somebody had really sort of sat down and gone, I'm here. I want to get there, and these are the things I'm going to do on the way. Because um, a lot of the time it feels like the bike industry is just like not really as a business. And, and I guess we're seeing the, the fruits of that now in the last couple of years, that the, the businesses that are business-like, uh, um, yeah, having to make difficult choices. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, so, yes, you had this plan, and there were lots of obstacles in the way most of which you probably couldn't have foreseen. Like, certainly these socioeconomic um, stuff and COVID, you couldn't have foreseen. Um, you probably knew that there were going to be hiccups along the way with the, the process, but you didn't know where you were going to end up. So you reach a point where you've got a difference of opinion with your, your funder and your friend about how to take the business forward and how to get from this difficult position that you were in um, to where you should go next which results in the administration process um which was obviously immensely stressful for you and <laughs> yeah, we we uh, we ran that story of Stanton going into administration and there was this kind of outpouring of of support from people inevitably saying oh no I never got around to buying that Stanton frame <laughs> which is like yes if you could just that would be good um but yeah I guess from your perspective how did that feel um like for you to live through what was that like um we were it was really stressful you know I didn't want the company to uh didn't want the company to go into administration I'd I'd I'd, um had a different plan you know created a different uh, uh action plan and uh this is this is where it gets a bit sticky. Um, I created a different action plan. I didn't really want to go down that direction at all. Uh, but effectively, it, that's the way it was pulled. It was very stressful. I thought that I was going to have my um, uh, my life, my, my, 
uh, the way I look after my family, um, the things I do day to day. I've been doing this for 12 years. It was literally about to be turned over. I thought I was going to lose it all. You know, um, I didn't have the money personally to be able to buy the company out of administration or anything like that. So it was about, it's like anything, you know, things only end or come to an end when you let them come to an end. I think you have to really make a choice. If you give up at any point, then, and, and some things become, some, some stresses are so stressful. Some things really grind you. And it's very hard for you to mm-hmm. not see a direction or a way that you can continue something. And uh, I'd say with a lot of um, with a lot of support, my wife was lovely, good friends around me, you know, solid faith, things started to fall into place. The right people came around me advising me correctly. You know, I just I never let go of I never let go of my direction or my dream or my aim. I carried on pushing towards it regardless of how unlikely it felt. Some days it was very hard to get up in the morning and put it together that day and make those meetings and see if I, especially as there were a lot of closed doors, you know, but principally, mm. yeah, it was, it was hard. But so I, I tell you what, okay, so this is one thing that I, when people ask me, how are you coping? How are you doing this? Um, I'd say, I don't understand it fully, but I understand that like, a this is going to sound a bit daft or ethereal or whatever. A, a, a caterpillar crawls across the ground okay and all it knows is the floor and it's an Im- immediate touch sense that's it and then one day it starts to uh you know starts to what's the word um uh what's the word chrysalis it crystal crystallizes metamorphosize crystallizes and uh, it, it literally liquidates to the point that its ass becomes its face yeah and it bursts out of what it was and transcends all of its previous limitations, okay? But in its process, when it was there, going through this metamorphosation, metamor- yeah, it, um, it, it, it felt like it was, it must have felt like it was dying. It didn't know what was coming, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I guess that, that was where I was. I said, I just feel like, I feel like, you know, everything around me is liquidating, but I, I know that if I carry on just working at it, it will somehow come to fruition that it will it will carry on the dream will carry on in some way it's got to keep pushing keep driving you know so that that's intimately the truth about how it felt to to go through that process mm. yeah um you should do all of that again in a french accent and then say something about seagulls following the trawler <laughs> that's, the, that's that french footballer isn't it <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um so, so yeah, obviously then that's like incredibly stressful to go through um, and we'll come to where you end up as the beautiful butterfly in the end. Um, <laughs> together the very hungry caterpillar route. <laughs> but um, during that time, understandably, and perhaps slightly burned, as you said, you alluded to before, you know, how long will people trust you for? And certainly the consumers in the bike industry watched the unfolding of sick bicycles and there there were people that didn't get what they paid for and that kind of thing. So I think people are more sceptical, more nervous than they maybe were a few years back. Um, so, so yeah, who lost out in that? in that process like were there people that went unpaid uh, well thankfully we've done loads and loads of work on um on clearing all the backlog and everything so there was very very few exposed when the administration company was in we were trying to encourage them i think i can say this we were trying to encourage them to let go of the customer stock that was in the building but obviously because it then became stanton bikes limited in administration owned by the administration company it then meant that the product that that was all in the building were then assets of the new company their company Mm -hmm. so they were then making it very difficult to get that stuff out the door but um uh so so uh, so like i said there's only a small amount of people exposed and so when i took the company on i then went through those invoices went through those uh, communications with those customers and settled those those issues with them you know so there's nobody right. apart from i'll tell you there's a friend called john of mine who i still need to sort some bits out for a build kit and that's it really that is right. it that is okay. it line drawing so so customers 
all but your mate and <laughs> sorted. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and more about suppliers, um, like other suppliers are in, well, in the industry. So, um, so there was a small amount of exposure for um, Lincoln Jigs, the company that I work for, CNC Parts, but uh, was like I think it's three or four grand, um, and I'm just going to pay them that as I go along, you know, going forward. Because and they're still working with you yeah, now, yeah, so yeah. they presumably don't hold yeah. it against you. So. No, it's just that it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't okay. costly when the because they'd made some parts for us, but when the administration company took control, they didn't necessarily know what to do with those parts. So they then didn't want those parts. So then they didn't want to pay for those parts. So then there's the exposure there. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend, um, my friend Yang over. Uh, over over in Asia, he's um, he's been exposed. His stuff was uh, basically on a three. We were on a three month lead, and uh, he he ended up when the administration company took control. Although he had a, um, I f- really forgot what it's called now. It's basically this piece of paper that means that it's still his stock, and so it then created this contention between the uh, the administration company and Yang, um, and uh, effectively his stuff was all part of the whole um uh, the asset list it just became part mm-hmm. of the asset list and he wasn't able to get that stock out of the company and he was trying his best to get it out of the company but and i was you know trying within the legal parameters that i was restricted within under the administration i was also trying to get you know sorted out um mm-hmm. so what's happening is he's still supplying me we're still working together and i'm basically paying the what he was exposed per uh, what he's exposed i'm paying him down per frame that i buy going forward so really he's absolutely fine he's happy with the situation and like i say we've got we're working together and we've got new stuff coming over and no dramas Mm -hmm. yeah and then uh tnt was exposed and i'm and tnt is fedex and you know, I called up Zafar mm-hmm. afterwards and we're back on contract with FedEx, TNT. So so there's right. no, no, you know, that's it really. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of like the the people who said, ah, this is just a Phoenix company and it's just a convenient way to deal with, this was the plan all along kind of thing. That's not the case. It, it was a set of no, circumstances that no. built up and then this was the resolution and out the other side of it, you're managing to continue the relationships with those people that you were working with before, which would suggest that yeah, they they don't have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the only person that was finan- the only person that that lost out was the person that called the administration in, and that was the other director, the other share the yeah. other shareholder who was the lead investor, and that was a decision that mm-hmm. you know that. I didn't want to go down, but we were very, very stock rich, you know, because we literally had two, we, we literally had two years worth of product arrive at the end of 2022, uh, 2021 into 2022. Right. We were hitting great numbers indeed- through that period, like turnover wise, everything was all squared up, all payments, were, everything was all met. We were starting to bank. It was great. And then uh, the war um, was announced in Ukraine and all the costs, you know, um, oil uh, fuel hikes energy hikes all that jazz started kicking off and before you know it sales dipped yeah that's where we ended up with that so yes and indeed you might you might be seen to be the canary for the bike industry because that position is what lots of bike companies are finding themselves in now and we're seeing in the quarter one results this year that are significantly down yeah for for a great many big companies yeah so it seems like maybe it took a bit longer to to hit but yeah it's not like you're alone in those circumstances no no i've I've, um, I've spoken to some friends who are you know in the industry and they're saying especially uk sales are really really down you know we're we're selling really really well into america and i did have plans and i still have plans yeah. now i think we can revive those plans uh, to set up some distribution over in america i think it'd be a good idea I've got, um, I'm quite right. close friends with, uh, oh, say, I've become close friends with Steve from Hardtail Party. Um, and I'm going to, oh, yeah, yeah going to go over and say hello and have a chat and uh, speak to a couple of other people, some customers as well over in America looking to help us out. I guess then we have the rescue, uh, the, the rejuvenation, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
So do you want to talk about your new investor and how that came about and, awesome. and okay. who that is? Yeah, so I actually, I don't actually have an investor as such. I have nobody who's invested in the company okay. at all. The way I was able to buy the company, um, we had numerous people interested. Well, it's some, they say numerous. We had a few people interested. They tended to be, um, uh, I don't really know the language, but somebody who uh, who is in merger and acquisitions and works in that industry for a big oligarch. They were people that tended to be right. interested in the company. They had no concept really about the cycle industry or the brand as such, but were looking for a way to be able to get into the UK market for some way, shape, reason or another in some way, shape or form. One company was looking at trying to uh, talking to me about merging with a German electric company. And then I saw the, oh dear, I saw the electric company that they were talking about. And it was literally, I said, I've got to be totally honest with you. I could organize that brand and that those products for you from China. You could give me a couple of weeks and I could sort that out. But it's a very, very different situation to what we've got going mm -hmm. on here. And I don't think the two really gel together. Um, so there was there was that and, and you know so there was that sort of, and then there was this thing that I I was uh, if the if I've designed everything and I'm going to design everything going forward then really can you separate the company from me you know because do I want to just be an employee and then and have somebody take the company in the direction that I just sit on a salary for or do I actually want to mm -hmm. carry on manifesting you know dreams that I hold myself and really that's with your name on it as well yeah. Yeah, and I've got young kids. I've got a, a 13 year old, a 10 year old, a five year old, young boys, uh, and I want them to to do it. I want them to feel like it's something that's uh, that drives and gives them purpose day to day. You know, obviously they might not. They might want to do something different, but but right now that's a, a nice yeah. a nice positive dream to hold as a dad. Um, so so yeah, so the two things couldn't really be separated. One person that uh, that popped up that was. A great help through the whole thing was uh, Dave Lochran, uh, who was a previous owner of um, uh, Planet X and On One. Mm -hmm. um, and he was just, uh, we talked about going into business together and things like this. And, you know, we realized that, uh, we soon realized that although we make good friends and we can make good business decisions and work together in that regard, I think working together in an ownership gave, uh, gave a bit of a loggerhead feeling because we're both quite driven people. Um, so uh, so we decided that we wouldn't go into business together. And uh, I actually found that quite difficult because I thought that one, at one point there was a, we had a deal on the table that was very favourable to myself and was quite uh, relatively cost effective for him. Um, and I thought that this is, you know, it was a definite goer and we were pretty much signed all the paperwork to do it. And then he pulled out and said that he didn't feel it was going to be that financially viable for him. Uh, and he's got to take kind of the emotion out of it and look at it from a pragmatic stance. And I accepted mm -hmm. that with gritted teeth. Um, and then the uh, administration company started the process of passing it through um, uh, John Pye, which is the auctioneer's house. They were looking at doing that and the auctioneer came in and gave a value. And then I just espoused a value that I think that everything was worth to the administrator and said, this, I th I'll do my best to try and get this value together. They agreed that value, and then I went away and spoke to um, spoke to Dave and said, "Look, I could sell you all of the stock that we have in the building. You know, you know, you can get rid of that. You know how to get rid of that if ever if, if push came to shove. You know, it's a good return on your investment. Would you be willing to pay X amount for all the stock?" And he said yes, and so he transferred me the cash, and I used that cash to buy the whole company, and then. Once right. all that paperwork had gone through, I then um, organised for, uh, for for a couple of vans and put all of that stock into a van and sent it up to Dave. So, you know, right. so now... So you bought the whole thing mm. and then gave him the stock to, to cover it. So that's his collateral. Yeah, right. basically, yeah. So there's no yeah, investment. But, you, but out of it, you got the name of the company. Yeah, I got my name. I got my uh, workshop and tooling, you know, and I got my uh, paint shop, you know, so I'm able to right. carry on effectively um so now anyone listening to this is going to be saying is there about to be a bunch of uh stanton bikes on planet x's website so he doesn't he doesn't he's got all your frames yeah no he doesn't run around planet <laughs> x anymore he doesn't run around it anymore okay but he, well ebay then he might he might i mean the, uh you know 
I, I trust him well enough that he won't do that and that he'll give me the option and the opportunity to sell down all that stock before uh right so at the moment you're to. selling that yeah so i'm buying that stock i'm going up to callum island and loading my van with stock bringing that down passing it through my uh through the finishing finishing shop and sending it out to customers and so the future yeah. i guess looks like um we're still doing uh we're still working with yang still doing titanium over in taiwan um still getting parts sent over from my mate frey in taiwan um and uh, uh still working uh, still working on still finishing all the titanium in house uh and then also going downstairs to the workshop cutting uh new um uh prototypes uh riding fresh prototypes and then when it comes to production we send off the drawings or I'll go over to lincoln have a sit down with tim and tom run through uh set up uh, setting up to cut the tubing and so on and then uh bring that over back to the unit either have um rob the welder my previous welder come in and weld them up or ollie who used to work for me or send them down to pat at lincoln jigs who's done uh, sorry pat at um at, uh, at uh, limit fabrications you know he was what he's welded up quite a few mm-hmm. bits for us so yeah we're probably just that's that's the future of it really that's that's what we'd be going doing right. for and then how big that gets all this i'm um let's say a bit more reserved because i can't tell you what what the direction that everything is going globally you know and mm-hmm. so to have before i could have it's like you'd, if you've only known growth you've only understood things with growth you can be a uh, have great aspiration and kind of think that you're going to be able to drive constantly towards those things but when you know when things out of your control turn things over it becomes hard for you to to manifest that in full and so i don't know i don't know what the direction i don't know the greater picture let's say I'd like to go. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go up and set some distribution up in America, and I'd like to have a, a, a nice workshop where I'm uh, working on prototypes and developing new products and just enjoying uh, running a bike company, designing and making bikes, and just um, mm-hmm. yeah. I'd rather. I'd rather now, as I understand it, have price per part manufacture um, still as much done in the UK as possible. Um, a smaller company that I feel I have more control over than going than having loads of staff and relying on and, and the man management of staff and all that sort of stuff just mm-hmm. i'd much rather focus my time and attention into product than enjoying making product that's the truth wow and you've had the experience on both sides now so um yeah you don't need to look at the <laughs> look at the grass on the other side and wonder if it's greener you've tasted it yeah so. Um, so, so you're not sure then exactly what the future is going to look like, but for clarity, what can people buy at the moment and where would it come from? Uh, so obviously, um, we're still uh, producing titanium frames, like as in we're still having titanium frames made, made in Asia, shipping those in, um, still design all the products. Uh, we're still going to be doing UK made frames, um, probably smaller runs still the aim of working with uh, um, youtubers or uh, people that have the people that want small batches of frames making or you know uh, just mm-hmm. small runs of things and then using the paint shop as well to do, to uh, create batches fresh painted batches of say lagoon frames and you know and so on um uh, yeah and then just finding time to carry on w- working on fresh designs like the sherpa fs you know, that's something I want to carry on picking, right. picking back up. Um, single speed dropouts, man, that's a big, there's so much call for that. And it's just a project that I got the majority of the way through. Um, and then with every, with the administration, everything just obviously shelved it. And as soon as I pick back up on right. the customer emails, I'm doing all the customer emails myself as well. I think I enjoy that as well. I like talking to customers, seeing the bikes they've made. You know, it brings that kind of closeness mm-hmm. back to it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So what's Dave got in his shed then if, that you that I might buy if I come to you, I buy something? What is it that Dave's got in his shed? Is it is it frames? Yeah, just bike frames, just all the bike frames, like all. Um, so hardtails and full sussers. Um, mainly just hardtails, a load of front ends, uh, titanium front right. ends, but mainly just hardtails, steel four one three zero hardtails and titanium hardtails. The stuff that Yang, the stuff that belong that titanium stuff that belonged to Yang that I'm now paying down. Right. Yeah. Which really I just wanted to give back right. to Yang. That's what I was looking to do. And Yang yeah. was up for that. So if I come return. to you and I want to buy a hardtail, you effectively send a courier to Dave, pay Dave no, no. money for that hardtail. No, I just No? No, no, I just like I literally go here, Dave, ten grand's worth of stuff, please. 
stuff the van high, drive it all back to the unit, put it all into my stock, and then process that uh, in batches. Oh, right. You see, and then customers can oh, st- customers see. can still email in and organize a specific product if they want a specific product, you know, certain colorway with a certain decal style, a certain build, um, personal badge on the frame, or so on. We can still do that sort of stuff. Um, but rather than having all those drop downs on the website, it became very confusing for people. And we ended up um, having to deal with quite a few emails anyway. So it just seems nicer yeah. and more. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy doing the emails. So, you know, although I don't get as much, obviously it takes a reasonable proportion of time to do them. And I'd like maybe to get a bit more time to uh, uh, to do with the bits and bobs. But principally, I, if I get up nice and early, if I get up at like half five in the morning, and then do emails from six thirty till you know till nine, then then they're done, aren't they? You know, I don't have to touch them again until three till five or something like that. So, right. Yeah. So it's just working it like that, really. I don't know why I'm going on about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so getting up at half five sounds completely unreasonable to me, but okay. Um. Uh. So are there any models that you had on the Stanton site before that now aren't available? Um. Only uh, FSs at the moment, only because we um, we need to get all the linkage, like all the uh, uh, like all the little axles and all those sorts of things sorted out. All the small turn parts, and sometimes relative right. to who's got space on the machines, they can take quite a long time to get sorted out. So I'm just getting some quotes and some lead times for those parts. But principally, that that will all be back on again. Probably won't bother with aluminium rear ends going forward. Look to only just do carbon because it's just more. Um, it's it's just more t- well, it's just more time efficient the aluminium rear end it's paint mm-hmm. it's paint that causes the drama for the alley rear ends we don't know why but it's just that after they've been um after they've been heat treated at war work they're they're uh, they're dipped in a uh, like a cooling oil and um and it takes ages sometimes to run all of that out even if you open the uh, even if you've opened the bleed hole you know the breather hole quite a bit right. still still you're still having to bake it to drip it all out so it's just uh, too much of a, a, a laborious process so yeah carbon rear ends i think on those going forward just like the titanium okay. version. yeah yeah so really then you've got more emails to do you've yeah. got fewer staff yeah. but from a customer's perspective not an awful lot has changed other than i don't know maybe the emails have more spelling mistakes in them yeah that's before. true that's likely <laughs> it depends how good the people were <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah that's likely yeah not the best speller in the world but i give me all you know (laughs) yeah no i quite there is something in this it feels far more connected seeing people's builds as well when they send pictures of the builds in you know it's like yeah nice that's Mm -hmm. a tidy looking bike thank you i enjoy that i enjoy that touch time yeah well so i think that then takes us from the last time we met to, to now and and gives people a bit of an idea of what's coming in the future it is kind of vague like but i think people listening are probably glad that that you're still here um if all the messages on the forum and everything were anything to go by like people want you to succeed and want stanton bicycles to continue so um yeah hopefully you've you've found a way through it all the the, Um, the uh the first few months have been really really great the the amount of love and support i've had via email has been it's been a real uplift i've you know come home and sharing with my wife this guy said this you know it's just a night it has been a nice uplift and um yeah people definitely got behind us you know uh we've 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 done mm-hmm. really we've done good sales you know it's uh and there's now there's only me um lara and matt the other painter and then the social media guys uh joe who's done every single video since day dot um, and Dave Bradbury, who puts the uh, kind of marketing campaigns together for us. We're, we're all still working together. Those two guys uh, are independent anyway. And so uh, mm-hmm. worked on a, a per piece work any, anyway. But, but um, Matt and Lara, they're both full and full time employed again. You know? So it's the three of us right. rocking around in the building. And I'm, uh, I'm doing all the business, business administration and, um, uh, and customer sales. And then obviously direction mm-hmm. of marketing and so forth. Yes, it's manageable and it's enjoyable. You know, so happy enough. And and that's about what every, what anyone can hope for <laughs> from a job, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, yeah. You can sleep at night, preferably not get up at half five in the morning. I don't mind um, that. You and, know. Yeah. 
Half five's a good time. It's a nice time. Half five in the morning. Fresh coffee. Nice time to wake up. Yeah. You know, it's convinced. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, dear. Maybe I should go to bed earlier. Well, okay. Well, uh, yeah, I think last time we talked, you were you were looking at a different means of delivering bikes in the UK and in the bike industry. And that's kind of where we are now. It's just, it's another different. Yeah. Um, so it's it's the same, but different. Same, yeah. same, same, but different, um, yeah. 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 So, well, thank you very much for coming and talking to us today, Dan, and and all the best with your new Same But Different. Thank you kindly. <laughs> Appreciate it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free warbyparker.com slash covered.